Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag college football. Yeah, the physical. They played a tight game against uh, Kentucky. Uh, they put up a lot of points, and they can run the ball. They're really big physical back. The quarterback's not afraid to run the ball either himself. And, and when they do throw the ball, they're efficient. They gain a lot of yards, and so they're well coached. And I remember them coming into our house a few years ago, and they put up a lot of points on the board. So we need to make sure that we're at our best in order to compete with these guys. And I think I'm looking forward to the preparation this week. Starts today, and our players are excited that we got another game coming up. Kalani Sataki talking about Toledo referencing that game 55-52 three years ago. I come into our house. I remember that game. You come into our house. You won't expect a tough game in our house. Toledo ranked 11th in the nation in rushing yardage right now. Who's the running back? You love to say his name. 269 yards per game. Give it to me. Who's that running back? Now I'm going to choke under pressure. Bryant Kobach. I don't know. I love it when he says it. I know. Bryant Kobach. (laughs) How tall is he? I don't know. What's his weight? But I'll look for it. <laughs> Six foot, 205 pounds. <laughs> He's from Holland. Ohio. Holland, Ohio, yes. <laughs> I love it when you look stuff up. The Netherlands, hello. Ready for the bad weather that's supposed to come in here this weekend? Utah State, Utah, ready to play in the elements? Is that going to be some kind of advantage against Washington State throwing the ball? Colder, rainy, or will it clear for the game and they'll catch a break? Who's they? Washington State. I thought that was the theory. They can't throw the ball in bad weather. They had to play Washington in bad weather last year. They that got beat. Snowstorm. Le- I know, not as bad as it's going to be here. <laughs> if it's even going to be bad, maybe it clears by Saturday night. I'm not going to worry about Dewey that. Hopper. Hello. Urban Meyer says if he were to return to coaching, it's not going to be at Michigan. He was on WBNS Radio in Columbus, and one of the co-hosts there, Bobby Carpenter, who played at Ohio State, jokingly asked Meyer about rumors that he'd follow Harbaugh and succeed him in Michigan, and Meyer replied, quote, no, that's not going to happen. Where's Harbaugh going? Pretty definite. Oh, there's all kinds of speculation. If he can't win, they're going to have to fire him because they're Michigan, and they ought to win the big game. Win the rivalry game. Win the Big Ten. Go to the Rose Bowl. Go to the playoff. For all the expectations with Harbaugh. Not happening. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. I appreciate his uh, opinion and all that, but he's not in our building. He has no idea what we're doing. So. Is he a one-read quarterback? No, he's not. I mean, that's asinine to even say. It's whatever. In the wise words of Freddie Kitchens, if you don't wear orange and brown, you don't matter. And Rex Ryan doesn't have any colors right now for a reason, so it's okay. Baker Mayfield, shots fired, PK. Rex Ryan doesn't have any colors right now for a reason. So he's not in the gang? He's not with an NFL team. Yeah, but I thought that didn't bother him. Well, maybe it did a little bit, because <laughs> yeah. that's a pretty good shot. I'm gonna ignore that. And I'm gonna. It's not gonna bother me. And then you go ahead and you say that. That was a pretty good shot. You, you gotta understand the word ignore here. That was not ignoring. I'm going right at him. 
Well, I mean, that's the job of a commentator. I give Rex Ryan all sorts of credit. Rather than being another ex-jock, just throwing out a bunch of cliches, he's willing to say something. Yeah. Everybody's great. Wait a minute. Aren't yeah. 16 teams going to lose this weekend? Right. Doesn't somebody have a flaw? Yeah. So he says something, and then Baker and this gets cranky. Kid doesn't like it. So that's not the story. Is that an ex-coach is willing to say something? Not that Baker Mayfield doesn't like it, because who loves criticism? Nobody. So that's the who cares what Baker Mayfield says. The fact is that Rex Ryan, in his job, is willing to live up to that and say something and give me something rather than another stupid. Like the one dude in the NBA, everybody's a great coach. Come on. Not everyone's great. They fire him left and right. Patriots quarterback Tom Brady limited in practice in three of the team's four practices this week. He told the media his age, he's 42 now, is part of the reason. Quote, football's a contact sport. I wouldn't say I'm a spring chicken anymore. I'm just trying to feel as great as I can, and we'll see how it goes tomorrow. But I feel pretty good. What's he hiding? Let's get to the bottom of it. You think a spring chicken would say, hey, guys, I'm not a 42-year-old man anymore. I don't think most spring chickens make it to 42. But... Well, they don't even, so they don't make it to winter? <laughs> you can't get that anywhere else. That is a true stat. <laughs> Eagles are off to a one and two start. They're going to play the undefeated Packers in Green Bay tonight in Thursday night football. For the Eagle fans listening, both of them, when should they start to panic, PK? We've seen teams come back from four and four, but right now that would require a little bit of a rally here. And they, I don't think you can be must win in week four, but it does seem like there's a little urgency for the Eagles to get it going here and not dig too big a hole. Good luck to you, Philly. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. The windup and the payoff pitch on the way. Austin Nola swinging a fly ball into shallow left center field. That's going to drop in a base hit. Nola crashes the Granke party with a single into left center field. Zach Granke, a no-hitter for eight and a third innings. Austin Nola with a pinch hit single. Here in the bottom of the ninth inning, the Mariners will bring up Tim Lopes. With one out here in the bottom of the ninth inning, and Grinky, look at this, gets a standing ovation from the crowd here at T-Mobile Park. Zach Grinky almost got there. Not quite. Astros end up winning the game 3-0. Grinky's no-hit bid. Broken up there with one out in the ninth. For the Astros, that is win number 104. They've already clinched the division. And they got a couple more wins than the Yankees, so assuming they finish strong here, it looks like they'll be set up to... Host the ALCS, get that extra seventh game at home should it go that long. Minnesota's into the postseason. They got to win and then stood around in the locker room and watched Cleveland get beat, so they have clinched the Central Division. And the Milwaukee Brewers are into the postseason. They're going to play the Nationals in the wild card game probably, although the Brewers still have a chance to catch the Cardinals win the division. Cubs are eliminated. They're out. It's all done. It's all mathematical now. Yeah, the Brewers, man. Yelich goes down. They go 13 and 2. 19 and 4 also. Well, he, yeah. In 20, but you're talking since the day he since went down. He went, since he hasn't played the last 15 games, they've gone 13 and 2. It's just awesome. It really is, man. You lose, lose your, your best player. Lose the big bat out of the middle lineup and just keep winning. 
Yeah, I think first time ever they've gone back to back. Now there hasn't been a second wild card for all that time. But it's very, very impressive. That is what they have clinched right now. They are one game behind the Washington Nationals in the race to host the wild card and then the game and a half. I, know, I was watching Baseball Network last night, and they are showing in the locker room there. And, you know, no matter what, if you get into any postseason in baseball, you have to pop the bubbly. And there's Euchre right in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> Euchre getting it done. Everybody was playing that last night. <laughs> he just cracks me up. I mean, that, that guy has made such a phenomenal uh, what would I say not just a I'm not looking for living but just a career persona persona is probably the best word yeah that he's made out of himself and it's really phenomenal when you think about it he was in TV he yep. used to do a lot of the late night he's done some movies and, and uh, all this stuff here with the Brewers and there he is right in the front row and they clinch in Cincinnati, and he's cracking jokes about how we like to clinch on the road so we don't mess up the locker room. Yeah. No reason to run our own place. He's yeah. 85, still going strong. I know. That's just awesome, man. That really is. How old was Vin Scully when he stepped down? Was he 89? I thought he was 87. But 87? He was 89. Okay. He was late 80s. But he was an announcer. I mean, uh, uh, This is a uh, personality. Yeah, he's an entertainer. A celebrity, an entertainer, right? Yeah. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. RSL beaten by the Galaxy 2-1 LA. In the race now to get to second place and host a couple of playoff games. A weird season for them. They were in second place. They dropped all the way down to eighth out of the playoffs. But they brought in Christian Pavan. He scores a goal. Zlatan scores a goal. PK, no accident. The two world-class players who make a gazillion dollars who want to play in a big glamour market like L.A. come to MLS, and they are the difference makers with the two second-half goals. Arcel had their chances in the first half. They were playing really well but couldn't score. Had one shot, hit both posts. But the Galaxy take over in the second half and dominate the second half and win the game. Zlati. He was angry the whole game. He's waving his arms at his teammates. He's a showman. <laughs> Absolutely. Not sure everyone on the team appreciates it, but he didn't care. Well, he is a bigger star than you, so he lets you know about it. Yep. And he's averaging almost a goal a game this year. That's 12 goals in the last eight games. He's really turned he's it on. He's literally a bigger. Stretch. He's a bigger man. Yeah. He's four to five inches taller than everybody. And yeah. a chance to score in the first half. Justin Glad got between him and the goal, and he just jumped up over the top of him. Missed the shot, put it over the bar. But I mean, he's the Rudy Gobert of MLS. Of course, Rudy doesn't have the tats. RSL back home to face Houston, the last home game. That's Sunday. And two games left. They are tied for fifth right now. And still, they could do anything from fourth place to out of the playoffs. So, it's all up in the air. I guess, actually, they could still get third if things break their way. Second seems really unlikely at this point. So, it'll be the Dynamo in here. They've already been eliminated. They are uh, struggling to the finish line. Dynamo, let's go. Dynamite, let's fight. DJ and PK, that is what is trending. And, of course, what is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener. It's Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up, you had a new show in mind. We can tell Mike Yam today. Yam and Yogi. I think that was you, but... You're the one who coined Yam and Yogi. I did, but I didn't know about it. It should be a show. 
Riley Nelson, BYU football radio analyst, joins us at 8.30 to look ahead to the Toledo game. Mike Yam from the Pac-12 Networks. A little after 9 o'clock, and Theo Lawson, Washington State beat reporter for the Spokesman Review, joining us at 9.30 as well. Stay tuned. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. NFL football tonight, Philadelphia Eagles, Green Bay Packers. Game kicks off at 620 on Fox and the NFL Network. You can listen to it right here on The Zone Sports Network. Chargers running back Melvin Gordon telling the franchise he plans to report today, ending a 64-day holdout. He's expected to rejoin his teammates, not play this weekend, and then play next week. Also, he expects this to be his final season with the Chargers, a source told ESPN's Josina Anderson. College football tonight, Navy and Memphis AAC game at 6 o'clock on ESPN. Former USC wide receiver Devon Williams is heading to Oregon State as a transfer. The former four-star prospect in the 2018 recruiting class entered the NCAA transfer portal two weeks ago. Top of the Wire brought to you by Zero Res. Back to school time to get back to clean. Schedule your post-summer carpet cleaning with Zero Res today. Just $33 per room. Pre-treated, cleaned, and Zero Resified. Easy online scheduling. Search Zero Res Carpet Cleaning or call 801-288-9376. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. From CBS Sports, he joins us every week. Brian Jones. USC has a 2-0 start in the conference season. They have the tiebreaker over the Utes at this point. Is Utah still your pick to win the South? I think that's got to change. you got to see USC fall. Uh, well, they need to lose at least two now for Utah to get back in this thing. Anything can happen. I think Washington can get USC this weekend. There's no way USC should have won that ballgame. They weren't able to run the Rock until they needed to run the Rock late in the ballgame versus Utah. They got the victory. You tip your cap to them. That was a hell of a bounce back for them after what occurred versus BYU. But I think they fall to this weekend, and Utah can get right back into this thing. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Master Electrical Services. And Master Electrical will light up your day. Give us a call at 801-543-2222. We'll be right on our way. That's 801 501- 543 22 22. 543 22 22. Let's go. Ready? Break. <laughs> it's football. We have football. We spent yesterday talking about the Utes, Washington State, the pays the the conference race, the high stakes, all that stuff. They got stuff. no chance. <laughs> That's it. You're just mailing it in. <laughs> it's well, over. The race is over. It's all over. Get BYU going to Toledo. Oh, man, they're going to win this thing. They better. I heard something's up with Covey. He may not play. I heard about it on Monday, and I, but I don't I hesitate to say anything. But I guess it's out on social media because I got some. I got a couple of texts about it yesterday. So it'll really come down to what Chris Camrani said with Kyle putting the kibosh on all the official information. Yeah. And then you got everybody's roommates and everybody's roommates' brothers tweeting stuff out and arguing about it. I mean, Huntley ended the discussion on him at practice. He said he's playing. But, my gosh, there was stuff going back and forth. Uh, he's definitely out. I know he's out. And then somebody else, you don't know what you're talking about, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I just everybody's don't like bringing their, up that stuff. Everybody's got their sources and their roommates – Cousin, I saw for the sure. kid for my own eyes on yeah. Monday, but uh, but but I, football players play through this stuff, and he's got a he's got a few days to get healthy, and uh, some guys will, and some guys won't. Yeah, but when you're 
Yeah, there's I a know. level, I know, right? There's a level you see where you know, okay, <laughs> that level isn't This happening. one in particular, yeah. Because he played the four games, right? So you could still get the red shirt. But So I guess we'll just have to wait and see on it's, Saturday night. It's what Chris Camerani said. You go to the press box and you pull out the binoculars and guys start warming up. Yeah, I don't do that. Who's missing? Who's there? I, I let other people do it. Other that. people will do it. Yeah. yeah I, I, I'm just not that into it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know other people will, and you can watch Twitter, and they will tweet it out. Yeah. So-and-so's warming up. So-and-so's in street clothes, and the whole team is out there. Well, uh, Britton has said that he had a second surgery over the summer, and obviously he hasn't had the impact uh, as he has had in his prior years before and right after the admission. So it would make sense. You play the four games, you get the year back. But we'll, And I wouldn't have said anything, but I'm told it's out there on social media. Uh, and I didn't say anything because I saw for myself on Monday. But uh, they could, once it gets out there, I feel like it, at least some obligation to acknowledge it. Kyle will acknowledge it in his own due time, and I guess everybody would know Saturday anyway. Utah and Washington State coming up Saturday night, and Toledo and BYU Saturday morning. Any thought that even though you look at these teams and BYU should win a lot of these games, that they're going to mess up some of the road games? Stall the travel catches up to them. They rarely, I think the last time they were undefeated in the road, they were still in the Mountain West. That was like 2009. Yeah, but the travel hasn't caught up to them yet, so it has nothing to do with this week. So it doesn't matter. This is about Saturday playing and winning a ball game that you need to win. So you Only their second road trip of the year. Been home for three weeks now. Yeah, so um, you, that's not an excuse. So I'm not, I'm not worried about them messing up any of these ball games because travel gets caught, catches up to them. I'm worried about them beating Toledo. That, that's the task at hand. That's the only thing that matters, and there's no excuses on this one. We always talk about uh, the schedule, especially in the independent era, and Tom Homo's got to put it together, and there's limitations because when will other people play you with their conference schedules and all that. But they did largely avoid back-to-back road games this year. They got a bye week here in between Toledo and South Florida. Yeah, I don't give a crap about that. I mean, you got 12 games. You got to try to win them. If if back-to-back road games are going to cause you to lose, then don't schedule them. Mark it down as an L. Don't play the game. Save. Go, don't, don't play the first game then. If you're already going to lose it, so then maybe you can win the second. I mean, I'm not into all oh, the schedules too tough. We got injuries. That, that, that stuff just doesn't work for me, man. Those I just view that all as excuses and mentally weak. I mean, all that stuff last year about the Jazz and their schedule, all you were saying is this team isn't good enough. It turns out they weren't good enough. They got worked in the postseason. And that's all that matters. Now go make your team better. I don't think the fans want to hear all that stuff. They just want you to get out there and try to do everything you can to win a ball game. Fans like to set themselves up, though, to know how many they're going to win. They like to mentally uh, brace themselves for losses. Are they going to pull off all these road games? Mentally brace yourself for losses. He's eight and four the goal. The goal is to win Saturday. That's the goal. Because if you don't win Saturday, who cares about eight and four? And this is the genesis of coaches saying one game at a time. Well, what's the point of worrying about Utah State now? And where's that going to get you? When when that time comes and it'll be here soon enough, then you can stress about it all you want. But it's all about the mud hens. 
Can you beat Toledo? The Mud Hens? Yeah. It's not the Mud Hens. Look it up, Toledo Mud Hens. That's the baseball team. Right. They're not playing the baseball, baseball team. season. We're in the pennant stretch. Come on. <laughs> It'll be the Rockets. And, and I'm hoping it's blue glare for the Cougars. That's my whole goal. Blue ga- blue, gl- blue gear. <laughs> blue glare. What? Yeah, that's the whole what? goal. It's blue glare. Saturday. That's what we want. BYU fans, you want blue glare? That's the goal. Because if you don't get this, you got major issues. No excuses. There will be major issues if they lose this. Two and three with some of the games they still have on the schedule. Oh, you in a freaking schedule. Yeah. My gosh. Because <laughs> I'm trying to figure out if they're going to get to eight and four. Well, you can't figure it out today, so what's the point of trying to figure it out? There's lots of stuff we can't figure out today. We talk about it anyway. I don't talk about November right now. You may. You're, you Go ahead. Talk about the schedule in November. If I guess that to me, that's radio kill time. I got to get to 10 o'clock, and I got nothing else to talk about, so I'm going to talk about the friggin' schedule. Riley Nelson joins us now on the Sprint special guest line, BYU football radio analyst. Sprint, lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Riley, good morning. Morning, fellas. So I'm uh, curious now how you think BYU is going to adjust the offense going forward, if at all, with uh, Tyson Williams out, because they were getting some pretty good production out of him, and then all of a sudden he's gone. How does this change things, if it does? Yeah, I uh I mean uh, it's it's anyone's guess what they're scheming and what they're and what they're working up. One thing I I think would be good because Lopini Katoa and Emmanuel Asupa have two very different skill sets. Tyson Williams was definitely their most complete back in that uh in the screen game and BYU was not very successful in the screen game. Part of that had to do that screens are, are very difficult unless you run them against man coverage a lot. They're very difficult to execute because um, you don't have players dropping back in the coverage. There's always that guy that is a sign of the running back to cause problems. But regardless, Tyson was one who could catch the ball and run the ball um, and was both a power runner and, and a speed runner. Now you've kind of got Lupini Cotella, who's uh, more of the quick, fast, catch the ball to the backfield back. And you've got Emmanuel Asupa, who's more of a kind of linear downhill runner. And so uh, they didn't have – most of their formations were single back to this point in the season, I wouldn't be surprised to see them put more two back so that they can have those those options on the field. And you can also do a lot of creative things if you trust both of those backs to do it. But before, um, I, I don't think we'll know what that looks like for the next couple of weeks because I honestly think that uh, these next couple games between Katoa and Asupa, one of those guys is going to have to, well, both of them are going to have to prove what they can do and how they can contribute to this team before they really lock in a new scheme going forward. So there was so much emphasis in the offseason and during the season as it was happening to play these four games. The Power Five, they had the toughest schedule. No one's playing that many Power Fives to open the season and whatnot. And, you know, somewhat of a mixed bag. But at the same time, the goal, I think, realistically was to get to two. They got that, right? So in a sense... They're, you know, you want more, but at least you're in a decent spot going forward. So now you don't play these power fives 
the rest of the way, right? So you have the schedule being what it is. How do you make sure that the team doesn't have any form of a letdown because there was such a buildup and now you got Toledo, which obviously is not a premier program on the level of SC in Washington? Yeah, um, I, it should be pretty easy, at least from my point of view. When you pop on the tape, when you when you're if you're being self honest with yourself, your rush defense is something that's that's uh, you know you're ranked in the triple bit, you're ranked in the hundreds as far as rush defense, and then you pop on the tape and you're like, holy cow, Toledo runs the ball and they run it well, and not only do they run it well, they run it out of a spread option attack, which we haven't seen. We faced a lot more you know single back quarterback turnaround, hand the ball off. Type scheme, so we've got uh, we've got a significant challenge uh, ahead of us. And then, as an offense, you pop on the tape and you're like, "All right, these guys, you know, they score lots of points. and just had a shootout with Colorado State, so we should be able to break out and you know get into the 30s or 40s of points, which is an offense you want to be in every game. But BYU has won close grinding games, and then. You know, South Florida is what South Florida is. Uh, that presents its unique challenge. BYU is a program. I know it's not as relevant to this team, but as a program, it's never won in the state of Florida. I think that's it's a decent opportunity with South Florida, but at the same time, you're going to pop on the tape there and see dudes running around that have elite quickness and speed. Now, they might not be elite football players, but the speed is up there with the best. And then, and then comes Boise and Utah State, who there's a good chance that both those teams will be ranked at the time that you play them. And, uh, you know, your track record again, a close loss that you feel like you should have had up in Boise last year, so you're seeking revenge there, as well as it's always a tough game against Boise. And then Utah State's had your number each of the last two years and absolutely embarrassed you at home last year. So as I look at the next four, you've got potentially two ranked opponents. You've got a Toledo opponent that, um, if, if any of them are smart, you know can bite you and embarrass you if you let off the gas even a little bit. So... I think that's how you approach it is it doesn't have the uh, extrinsic factor, factors of being like a P5 or, or this or that, but they're good football teams and they're quality wins that uh, if you can get them, help build your resume to being relevant uh, as the season goes on, which is the goal for any program. So against uh, an opponent that might be not quite as big, not quite as fast, even if they're still good, and the fact that Zach Wilson is coming up on now almost a year's full of because he started the second half of last season. He's got four games under his belt here. Do you expect to see him take a step forward? Is the game going to slow down and all those things we're familiar with hearing? Uh, is he about ready to make a jump, you think, based on the experience and the competition? Yeah, I do. I um, the, Here's the biggest thing I'm looking forward, and I'll know that he's taken that step. He's, he's always been able to produce the big play. One of the things that I'm that I really want to see, and this is a combination between the game plan going in, the play calling it, and then Zach Wilson's execution, because you could argue that the game plan hasn't really been ultra conducive to to what I'd like to see, and that is a consistent quick game to intermediate range, you know, a moving the sticks passing game. Not just we get to third down and we got to throw it up or we need a big play so we got to try and push the ball down the field or game. so whether it's mixing in play action or whether it's short to intermediate routes being highly efficient in that, throwing a lot on first down, putting yourself in favorable second down, you know, second down in short positions or getting ahead of the sticks and getting majority of your first downs. You know, one of the things I was so impressed with Washington, there was a point in the game, they had 25 first down 
but only six third down conversions, which means they were absolutely lead on first and second down. And I think that should be a goal for BYU and for Zach Wilson. But in order to do that, you need to be deadly throwing the ball on, on first and second down. And so as they uh, put more trust in Zach, he, you know, I, what I'd love to see is him rise to that occasion, reward the coaches for that trust they put in him, and be a highly executing quarterback on first and second down in the short to mid-range pass game. If he can do that over these next couple weeks, then, yeah, I think it's safe to say he's taken a step forward. He's on the right track of progression that all of us hope to see from him. And, you know, he's he's becoming the player that everyone has kind of put their hopes in to be the next great one at BYU. So you look at the first four games, and it looks like Utah and Washington were the two toughest opponents, and that's where they had the turnovers for BYU's offense. How much does the level of competition correspond to the amount of turnovers? Yeah, I think it I, it corresponds a lot, and but not so much. Well, it, it's it's a mixed bag, right? At least as I'll evaluate BYU's turnovers. Uh, as much as the Utah and Washington defenses were opportunistic in, in creating and capitalizing on uh, you know fumbles put on the ground or errant throws, uh, I feel like it was more. Be- as I watched this BYU team, they had a there was a pressure to do more, to do extra, right? Like let's just take the two uh, against the Washington uh, against Washington last week. That the sack fumble that was returned for a touchdown, Zach Wilson. That was all-out blitz. That was cover zero. There was no safety help. They were showing at the snap that they were going to bring all-out blitz. And whether they do or not, because oftentimes they'll give that look and then they'll bail out, whether they do or not as a quarterback, you got to know, all right, this ball's, I'm catching this shotgun snap and the ball's coming out of my hand right now. And if I can't, if I don't have a clean look to release the ball now, i got to protect the ball. Try and maybe find a seam to get something with my feet or get down and protect it. Instead, Zach, you know, hitched a couple times, was hanging on, waiting for his receiver because they were in press man coverage, waiting for his receiver to create some kind of separation uh, against tough man coverage and gets and gets strip sacked. Um, so that, to me, was a time where a mental decision led to a physical decision. And then that fumble in the first drive of the second half that really took the wind out of out of BYU's sails was one where they it was a third and seven. Uh, Dax Milne completes it. He catches the pass. He's got the third down converted. He's up against the sideline. And instead of going out of bounds and, and moving the sticks and living to play another day, the safety's got an angle on him. He tries to cut back against the guy against the sideline. And as he does, uh, the safety puts his helmet on the ball, pops it out, and they turn it over. And, you know, the route was on from there. So two instances of guys just trying to do more than you need to do. I don't think you feel the pressure to need to hold on to the ball the last second or to try and cut back for a few extra yards against uh, against an opponent that you feel evenly matched or that you have the athletic advantage against. That only happens when there's when it, it's either the mystique of a P5 or the fact that they're ranked or the fact that you just get out on the field and you're like, man, these guys are bigger, faster, stronger than we are, and you feel that added pressure. And it's natural to feel that pressure, but the reality is if you can somehow shake that off and play as if they're a normal opponent, you actually give yourself a better chance for success uh, because you, you're going to eliminate more of those mental mistakes. So the trade-off of playing against uh, eliminating mental mistakes and everything you just lay out versus not having the adrenaline rush of walking into Tennessee and there's 100,000 people there and it's a game of emotions so they really bring it. 
what's going to lead to a better BYU performance? Because it, it feels like they really rode the adrenaline in the two games they won. Yeah, DJ, you, that's a that has been one of my bigger worries. Um, aside from the the tempoed spread option run attack that Toledo runs, the smallest crowd that this BYU team has played against so far this season is sixty two thousand, right? And the biggest was ninety four against Tennessee. Uh, I don't know how many Toledo will show up at Toledo, but it's probably going to be somewhere around thirty thousand, give or take five. Yeah, like on a on a good day, that's assuming a lot of BYU fans show up. I think. Um, and that is a different feel. <laughs> I remember I had a couple of games. Um, one I remember was in good old Las Cruces down at New Mexico State. Uh, another one was at San Jose, San Jose State throughout my career where I got out for the first snap, and my normal yell for the cadence actually echoed back <laughs> on me from the emptiness of the stands. And that's a, it's kind of a disheartening feeling because you feel like you're big time. It's college football, and it's all those things. And it, can, it, it really does release, it release that, that adrenaline, that ampness that you have uh, going into a game. And it's an adjustment that you better make quickly because if you lower, I can tell you for sure, Toledo and, all, and, and the rest of you know, at least these next four opponents, they're all good enough that if BYU doesn't bring it, if they don't manufacture that own energy that maybe they're not getting from a big stadium or a nationally televised type environment, uh, they're going to get snake bit, and that's something they better account for. So you're a local guy. What do you think of the Utes and Cougars having a two-year sabbatical again here in a few years? I'm okay with it. I get it. I, I think uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder, so to speak. So that I totally get Utah has an opportunity to get a home and home with Florida. And uh, Florida never crosses the Mississippi. Maybe to go to Texas, right? But they never cross the Mississippi. Um for a non-conference game if it's not Texas. And so to get a chance for them to come to Salt Lake City, I think uh, I can, as as a BYU fan who would love to see that rivalry, and I I know there are many who would like to see that rivalry play every year. Uh, The two-year hiatus doesn't bother me. I I wouldn't ever like to see it more extended than two years. And if we are going to have to take a two-year break, I would like to see them followed up with a significant series of games, which was just announced. So uh, I would hope they can find a way to work it out to play every year. But in this instance, uh, I get it. And with the changing landscape of college football, uh, I think it's going to have to, at least as the landscape of college football exists today, I think it's going to happen, have to happen every so often. Um, but for me, kind of the right pacing, if it can happen once every, you know, decade to 15 years, that's probably the, that's probably the closest or that's probably the right cadence for me. So in the release where the uh, teams confirmed these scheduling changes, there was a quote from Tom Holmo that said, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, but something to the effect of, hey, they, they recognize there might be a time when we need to request something like this uh, because of our schedule. And I think every BYU fan who read that and thought about it thought, Notre Dame, have you heard anything? You're walking around the press box. Sometimes you know more than you let on, Riley. What do you know? Yeah, um, good question. You know, Tom is in the level above us in the in the box, so I don't get I don't get to hear much of what's echoing off of off of him. I, I would say this though, uh, as a proponent of the rivalry and one who thinks it should it should be played every year unless in extremely rare circumstances. In a in essence, uh, in a for for BYU's schedule, they have 
12 open weeks, right? Utah, because of their commitment to their conference, they really have three weeks to play around with. BYU has 12. So my hope would be that even if they were able to convince Notre Dame to come, which, by the way, I my confidence level in that is like bare, is single digits. It's very low um, <laughs> because I think Notre Dame's just kicking the can down the road till we finally relent and take a pay take a payout um but even if notre dame does agree to come to provo there you got 11 other weeks on the schedule where you can find or hopefully work something out to play utah pk's got a theory on that vegas baby there's a new stadium there that might you know hey let's move the game from provo to vegas would you be okay with that (laughs) i would be okay with that and raiders that's isn't that for the two most uh high profile football programs at religious owned schools las vegas could not be a better place to debut you know some kind of neutral site season oh, yeah, i see what you did that I, I like that yeah that's a good thinking yeah just, that plays right into your line of thinking pk yeah sure. exactly man welcome to sin city it's i mean, Notre Dame I mean and BYU. There's, there's, there's good and bad and everything so that that right there that sums it up perfectly the good and bad two god-fearing schools going to vegas that's perfect in the devil's playground. That's yeah. right. I couldn't think of more. The, the juxtaposition, the contrast, the storyline, the storylines abound. Right. I mean, come on. We both know, Riley. God didn't come for the whole. He came for the sick. Vegas is the sick. <laughs> that's right. Get the missionaries out in full force. Get on the corners. Get in the you know the casino entrances and invite everybody to come and partake of the of the good word as they watch a football game, right? Now, yeah, that, you're really you're mixing old school classic religion with America's religion, which is football. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it makes too much sense now. Everybody's welcome yep. if you have $150 per ticket. <laughs> yeah, that's right. To get just to get in, exactly. and if you want any lower than that, hopefully you had some good luck at the craps tables. Riley Nelson, BYU football radio analyst, joins us every week. Riley, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me, fellas. I'm wondering if the Lori Laughlin types, you think they're going to try to do that with heaven? <laughs> give you 150 grand? 150 grand. Move me up a notch? Just a little something extra. And I agree with him completely. About? This whole idea that this game has to be played every year. Why? Who created that law? So if you miss once a decade. What's the big deal? Still sails along. It happened in the last decade. The rivalry yeah. hasn't gone away. Not at so all. So why does it have to play every year? Just because that's the way you grew up? It adds that little spice of, look, at they think they're all that, and they're a little scared to play us and Florida. You know you're going to hear that from Cougar fans over the next few years. Well, they should. It's already Because you can't yeah. exactly <laughs> say, well, we own them, we beat them, so that's the only thing you got. Well, they're too afraid to play us and Florida. So what's wrong with that? And it's going to be it, it. It only increases the intensity. It doesn't decrease the intensity. That's the greatness of the rivalry. That's when you know you have a rivalry. Now I'm not living in Nebraska or Oklahoma, but is there a big clamoring to play Nebraska and Oklahoma like they used to do in the Big Eight? Seems like those schools have moved on. Maybe there is. I don't know. Oh, there's probably some people who wish it would happen, but I think most people realize it's not going to happen. Yeah, They're just, it's not going to happen. They're old. So here, it doesn't play, it won't play, 
but it just increases the rivalry. That's why this rivalry is actually one of the best ones because it's the only only of a few where you don't play and it's even more intense. So it's actually genius by skipping a couple years because it's not that many and they added like eight on the end of it to make up for it. So they're going to be playing at 2047. So they miss a couple years. BFD. That just increases it. Come on, man. It's time to start thinking differently. These guys, Harlan is a genius by not doing this. It increases the rivalry. It doesn't decrease it. Way to go. Marky Mark. I'm loving it, man. Marky Mark. That's where we're going now. It's going to be even more intense, not less. How about that? That's when you know you're on to something. Name me a rivalry that doesn't play and grows increased, not decreased. Come on! This is a brilliant form of strategy, and you get your players to go to the swamp. (laughs) And you know what they're going to do when they're down there? Unlike these freaking demos today, they're going to drain the swamp! DJ and PK, it's 97.5, whatever that was, and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, the Zone, and the Zone Sports Network. Hey, join us. Murdoch Chevrolet, Friday, DJ and PK hitting the road. 7 to 10 a.m. Friday morning, we'll be at 2375 South. 625 West in Woods Cross. Get an oil change for 1997. That's tomorrow morning. Murdoch Chevrolet in Woods Cross. I just had Riley Nelson on. That was pretty funny. Go out into the stadium and, and you get the, get the football quarterback voice going and the echoes bounce back to him. Freaking yourself out at the line of scrimmage right at the start of the game. Yeah, that was. Uh, but that's what you're getting in some of these places. So you hear anything, you hear anything he says and think anything different is going to happen in this game? Or BYU just goes out there and figures out a way to grind it out? Well, this is a must win for them. Uh, any which way they get it, I don't care how they get it. They're going to they're have to get this win. There's, there's no excuses. I don't want to hear i got to look at the film and we're going to move on and we're going to get better. I don't want to hear any of that. The D-line needs to be better now. The run defense. Ed Lamb talked about that at his availability this week. The run defense has got to be better against these guys. Everything's got to be better. Run defense, pass defense, run offense. You name it. It's got to be better. So it's certainly better than it was last week. And you don't have the spin of the quality of the opponent. There's This is an absolute no excuse. I cannot think of any excuses as to why they could lose this game. Beat the Mac. Your place in college football history demands it. It's who you are. Take them down. All right, DJ and PK, more to come in a moment. 97.5 at 1280 Zone. Open phones in the next segment. Your feedback weighing in off what you heard off Riley. Looking ahead to the game, we can get to that. 855-340-ZONE. DJ and PK.